Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Ah, the French music, Fratam. We're on, we're on pilgrimage in Lourdes, France. Here it is, another beautiful day, and it's, uh, this was entirely against the forecast, as you remember. That's right, but you know what's so funny is we had, uh, I think we had all four seasons or something yesterday with hail well, and sun and... Sure did. I, I expected mean, the Lord to come on a cloud. I thought it was the apocalypse. It was the end times, as, as some people like to say. The entire pilgrimage was soaked twice and did experience everything, but it was very cold. And yet there's joy in the pilgrimage, isn't there? There's joy. Even the Malads, who, that it must be very difficult to have and to. And Tom, it's neat to be able to come to a place like Lourdes, right? That yes. the world would come uh, to this place that is so special, not because of its location, because obviously... It was a backwoods, nothing kind of a little town, and yet Our Lady came to visit here. She to sure did, right? and, um, but some people can't get over here. Right, and so it's interesting that we would. Uh, our next guest that would be with us uh, is Bishop David Ricken, and he is the Bishop of Green Bay. Uh, and so, Bishop Rickon, we're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you, Deacon Jeff. It's a joy to be here with you. Well, and what's wonderful is we, we, we love to talk to you because... As Fra Tom mentions, you know, some people can't make it to Lourdes. And especially uh, in the U.S., people are thinking like, well, I want to go on pilgrimage. And I would love to go to a place so special as Lourdes where Our Lady would come and visit. And they may not even realize that something very special has happened in the United States. Our Lady appeared in a little town called Champion. Uh, where, now, where's where's Campion or Champion? That's about 18 miles outside of Green Bay. Okay, and a very similar story. Actually, one year later, than More Lady appeared here in Lourdes. Wow! And with a somewhat similar message, a little bit different uh, profile, perhaps. But um, you know, this young Belgian immigrant uh, came over with her parents. She had wanted to actually join the convent with two or, two or three of her friends right. back in Campion. And uh, her parents persuaded her to join them to come to the new country. And they settled in the northern part of Wisconsin, out in the woods. And she had come from uh, an area in Belgium that was a little bit similar. But still, this was a very wooded, uh, kind of a rugged territory. And uh, so she was there with her parents, settling and trying to begin to live a good, holy life and trying to connect to church, which was how, quite a ways away. How old was she? Now, this girl is she, Adele, Adele Bryce. Bryce, is yeah, that yeah, Bryce is the Bryce. way you say it in French, I guess, but we say Bryce there. Okay. And she was in her early 20s, uh, so similar to Bernadette. Bernadette was a little younger. But, uh, you know, Our Lady appeared to her in a very ordinary way. She was on her way to the grist mill to have uh, wheat ground into flour. Right. And, and on the way, this beautiful woman in white appeared to her with luminous light around her and a, a gold waistband on her waist and kind of blonde. She described blonde hair uh, that she uh, had and, and a beautiful, peaceful sense, but she didn't know who she was. Right. So she went and talked to her pastor, and he said to her, well, ask her who she is and what she wants. So the ne- if she comes again, and so on the way back in about the same place, she appeared, and this time she did speak to Adele when Adele asked her who she was. And she said, interestingly enough, I am the queen of heaven, which is an interesting identification of one of her titles, because here she came as the Immaculate Conception here in Lourdes. Here, one year later, just about a little bit more than one year later, she's saying, I'm the queen of heaven. 
Interesting. And her messages were very, very simple that she gave to Adele, just like they are here to burn Adele, but even simpler. I think I read something like teach the children the faith or in the faith. Or yes. It was some of the stuff that she said. Actually, I have the quote from her. Uh, as they, uh, they approached the hallowed spot, Adele could see the beautiful lady clothed in dazzling white with a yellow sash around her waist. She had a crown of stars around her head. In God's name, who are you and what do you want of me? Asked Adele. Here's the quote from Our Lady. I am the Queen of Heaven. Gather the children in this wild country and teach them that they should know for salvation. Teach them their catechism, how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross, and how to approach the sacraments. That is what I wish for you to do. Go and fear nothing. I will help you. So it's those last words, I will help you, that she got the nickname, Our Lady of Good Help. So Adele would tell this story over and over. She had memorized it. She was an uneducated young woman, and she would tell this story over and over and over again. I guess we should always note that it's always interesting that Our Lady would appear not to the Queen of England or the people of great prominence. Exactly. Right? The news anchor. doesn't usually appear to clerics or bishops or people that are, you know. And again, uh, I I don't know if you... I guess when you're a bishop and they get, teach you the secret handshake and all that stuff right at the Vatican, that, that, that you would know exactly why that happens. But the reality is, and to me, I look at that and think, well, again, the Lord works through our humility, right, through, yes. through the lowly. Through the lowly. People who are close to the earth, yeah. simple, uncomplicated, and who really have great needs, which was the situation at that mm-hmm. time north of Green Bay area that was wild, wild country. and. People had come from Belgium in Door County. They settled, right. but they had disconnected from their faith and from the practice of Sunday Mass. So it was like starting all over again. These messages, I, again, I see them as quite compelling. Obviously, the concept of, of teaching the catechism or teach, you know, yes. teaching the faith. Teaching what are the, the basic, faith. the fundamentals, understanding what we do. And yes. even to this day, I, mean, I guess that's one of the things that we do here at the Catholic Cafe is like, it's important, I think, that people understand why we do what we do and where that comes from. It's not that we're pharisaical in rule, rules. It's, it's understanding this order and, and, and what the Lord wants us to know about, about our faith so that we can better practice it. The basic content of faith and why we're here in divine providence, why right. we have been chosen and created in the image and likeness of God. These basic facts that people have forgotten mm. because our Lord is being pushed out of the home, the heart, the public square, right. the marketplace. And so I think uh, the Blessed Mother is reaching out again with a great desire to bring people to her son. And so, you know, this, even though this happened uh, so many years ago, 155 years ago, uh, it's been approved recently in 2010, and this makes it more available. And I think the way Adele carried out her mission given by the Blessed Mother was evangelization and catechesis. Beautiful. And what do we need more today than those two things, evangelization right. Telling the, the gospel story, teaching the people the basics in the faith, introducing them to Christ and to the church. That's exactly what we need. Right. And, of course, the evangelization. You, you can't evangelize when you don't know the faith, right? You can't give people what you I'll, – I'll, I'll impress you with my Latin. I don't look very little, but uh-huh. nemo.quod non habet. You that's cannot right. give what you do not yeah, have. That's it. Right. Jeff, and, yeah. and, and that stuff, you, we live by that. And evangelization essentially is empty and hollow if you don't have content 
the exactly. good news that you're sharing. Exactly. Yes, yeah. And in order to introduce someone to someone else, which is what the first stage right. of evangelization is, you need to know, well, who is the person I'm introducing? It's Jesus. That, amen. Yeah. And then to tell people about who he was, what he did, and how he's still alive. And through, through the gift of resurrection, he's still with us here, and he's accompanying us on our journey of life. I think it's also interesting that the second thing that she talked about, the sign of the cross... Yes. Uh, you know, that's powerful because I, I remember doing a, a little retreat for second graders preparing for their first Holy Communion. And I had started it and we started to pray. And I said, well, remember how we pray in the name of the Father and the Son. And I looked out and they, didn't, they weren't doing it. And I thought, well, let's try that again. And I found myself teaching them the sign of the cross in the second grade. And I thought, so, again, not judgmentally, but thinking, all right, here's a bunch of second graders learning to receive our Lord. And they haven't mastered the sign of the cross yet. So what's happening with the schools, with the parents? And maybe we need to revisit just those simple, basic things to connect the kids, especially, to the cross. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, when we, when we practice sports or learning to play the piano yeah. or whatever we do, drill the fundamentals. You have to drill right. the fundamentals. And drilling is not always a really happy thing to do, but it's a right. very important thing to learn and to know and to master. And so these, these simple basics of the faith... We need all to be masters uh, as disciples. That's right. And, of course, the power of the cross, always being reminded of the cross, the crosses that we bear, but uniting that to the cross of Christ, which essentially brings salvation to the world. Exactly. And it's an introduction to the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful catechesis. Blessed Mother is so right. Right. So you've got the the catechism, you've got the sign of the cross, and, of course, what essentially gives us the strength and the energy to carry that out. But the third thing that the Blessed Mother talked about, and that's the sacraments. The sacraments. God's divine life. You know what she would do? She would go on foot for 40 miles at a time, going from household to household, and she would sit down. She said she exchanged her work for the ability to instruct the children. Right. Well, you know what happened? The parents were in the background listening, listening to her catechize their children, and they too were converted, brought back to the faith, <clears throat> reintroduced to the 40 mass. 40 miles, is that what you said? She would, she would go at 40 miles at a time, stay overnight and go to the next place. So she was a real evangelist, we would say today. She was an evangelizer. Sounds like a scripture yeah. scholar doing things in 40s, you know, with the 40 days and 40 yeah. nights. And <laughs> 40, 40 miles. Days yeah, right, yeah, 40 yeah. miles, she must have tied that in somehow. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good, that's yeah, a good but connection. The, but really the strength that she would, be, she would need to do that. And yes. There has to be some kind of divine strength that she was relying upon. And she was very simple in her faith. She was obedient, and she was, she was passionate about it, but she was faithful. She stuck to the same message, the same thing. She did that in different variations. She had a school there. One time she had a, a school for deaf, or for uh, handicapped children to, to live in there. It's in a, the building still wow. there, uh, right at Champion, and we use it today very much. And uh, But it's, it rem- it's reminiscent of what she did all those years. Wonderful. Well, we have more to talk about with Bishop Ricken about this uh, wonderful, um, well, we'll talk more about the site when we come back and take a break first. Uh, and before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Tom and Bishop Ricken, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. The world has long wrestled with belief in God, belief in a supreme and loving creator who transcends all things, all spaces, and all time. And countless words of wisdom have been written through the ages by Catholic and non-Catholic thinkers alike. 
about the meaning, importance, and construct of faith. American writer and poet Elizabeth York Case writes, There is no unbelief. Whoever plants a seed beneath the sod and waits to see it push away the clod, he trusts in God. St. Thomas Aquinas, doctor of the church, writes, To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. If a man wishes to be sure of the road he treads on, St. John of the Cross tells us, he must close his eyes and walk in the dark. Faith, says Helen Keller, is the strength by which a shattered world shall emerge into the light. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt writes, He who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. St. Augustine, early father of the church, reminds us, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. In St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus himself speaks of the great power and promise of this gift of faith. He tells us, For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. As defined in our Sunday Visitor's Catholic Dictionary, faith is the first of the theological virtues. Together with hope and love, faith brings about the life of sanctifying grace in the human person. Faith is truly a gift from God. We cannot manufacture it or create it out of nothing. It is not a faucet that we can turn on or off. No, it is indeed a beautiful and precious gift given out of love to each of us from God. And by definition, because it is a gift, it must be received. And once received, it must be nurtured, tended, cared for, cultivated, and developed. Faith must be lived or it will die. It is only in living a life of faith that we are truly alive. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Bishop David Ricken from Green Bay in Wisconsin. Fra Tom, this is yes. a very interesting story. I, and these are things that I didn't even know, and I think many people don't know a lot about this particular site. Well, I've been to Our Lady of Good Help twice. And the first time was more within the context of, it was with a different group, but it, the concept of pilgrimage didn't really hit me. Mm. Second time was with the Order of Malta, and we did it in terms of a pilgrimage. And there's an entirely different thing about being a visitor to a place or being a pilgrim to a place, just as we find as we come here. Well, awesome. And so I guess we want to talk about we come here to Lourdes, France, and everybody kind of knows what's going on there. And, and I guess we look at um, uh, our, our Lady of Good Help, and we, and we look at this shrine and see as a, as a potential for a, a pilgrimage spot, right? 
It very much uh, is a pilgrimage spot, and it's just becoming, just starting to catch on a little bit more. It is always it like has a little been. baby Lourdes? I mean, we, you know, 150 years from now, we might see something else going on there. Who knows? You know, it very well could be as far as the approval of the shrine now that happened in 2010. It has the same status. Of course, it's a tiny little version of what Lourdes is. Right. But, you know, it happened only a year after. So it was kind of the best-kept secret in the neighborhood, in a way. Right. And yet, if you talk to all the people there, which I did when I first came in 2008, they have all these stories of healings that have happened in their families. They're so proud of the shrine. Many of them come there every day for a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, and then they go down to the crypt where the apparition uh, has happened down in that area. And so people reconnect constantly. They go there before they have their marriage, uh, blessed in the church or celebrate the sacrament. All kinds of reasons. The local people still use the shrine very fervently, and they, they love it. They just love it there. Now, um, so... So this happened 150 years ago, but did it kind of fall off the map a little bit, or it was just a local kind of yeah, thing it, at the it time? It had more of the feeling of a local, <clears throat> I guess a local apparition, but really no apparition is ever right. really local in the end. And the bishops of Green Bay had al- always approved it by their actions. They had a mass there every August 15th. But when I came, Bishop Zubik had already started the canonical process, the process. for approval. Now, that, that's interesting. So we should ask you. Now, this happened. Um, it was promulgated, I guess, December 8th. What a good day to do that. Yes. Uh-huh. Obviously, right, yeah. in 2010. And, and you did that. Right. Yes, it was preceded by about two years of in-depth study, right. and you have to have three experts in Marian theology, Mariologists, who review all the data. We had piles of papers coming from testimonies from history of the place, and the local sisters who staffed it for a long time had their own documents. So the diocese had done a good job of gathering all that data. We sent all that to these three experts, Mariologists. Right. They studied it very carefully, and then they sent me back an executive summary along with their, their judgment or recommendation about it. Amazing. Now, a lot of people don't realize just how much work the church does in, these, in regards to these things because she doesn't take all this stuff lightly. And a lot of people might think, oh, well, here comes this bishop. He decides he's going to wave his, his hand, and all of a sudden there's going to be this little shrine. Why don't they do that all over the place and start building shrines in places? But the reality is it's essentially it's not up to you so much as essentially yeah. Mary having appeared there and then many, many witnesses, many, many testimonies, all this data, all this stuff gathered for all this time, and then it gets sent off to experts, different experts, that's right. Right, And then so we, we, we make sure that this is not something taken lightly. Yeah, Deacon Jeff, I always thought that the, the Rome did these approvals. <clears throat> then I found out, no, only the diocesan bishop can make this judgment. But he doesn't make it alone. He has these three experts, right. and you have to do a very thorough job. They have a whole process from the doctrine of the faith, the doctrine of the faith uh, congregation in Rome. You follow the process. We did that assiduously. I was very proud of the work of the people who helped me. And they really did very, very thorough work. Right. And then the three experts, uh, two of them were very positive. One was uh, sort of took the devil's advocate position. And so I found that as I read them very carefully, his objections were answered by the other two. And so then they all said uh, to me, basically, Bishop, it's up to you now to right. take this, uh, this expertise and this evaluation and make a decision. Well, just interestingly, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I hope you will. <laughs> you know, so as you're a bishop in this process... A lot of times bishops can kind of look either way and see other bishops stand there next to them and, and find a little bit of uh, uh, consolation or at least uh, assistance and help and, and whatever. But you, you might have looked left and right and realized there was no one else here because no one had charted that path 
yet in the United States. That's true. No, nobody, <clears throat> nobody has done that thorough an investigation. And while there have been a purported apparitions, I suppose, in other places in right. the States, uh, this one was such a long time ago. The, there was no doctrinal error in the messages that our Blessed Mother gave to Adele. You know, D- Adele right. didn't pass on any her- heresy or anything like sure. that. That all has to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was up to me to decide. I, I took it to very serious prayer for six months because I knew. That's w- good to know. That's yeah, it was going to be a big gulp. It was going to be, a, <laughs> you know, this is not easy because I knew this was going to have ramifications. for. I guess it's also why you don't see in these kind of situations too often that the church says, oops, we made a mistake about that one. In terms of like those kind of things, because you know, well, there's so much work that's done. Yeah, and my conclusion in my my uh, concluding document about it, the decree that approved it, said that you know that you don't have to believe right. this in order to be a good Catholic, a good believing Catholic, but you can believe this without problems, without causing yourself right. trouble, and it might even enhance your faith walk. And that's kind of how I put that in the decree. Yeah, I guess so, we should talk about the difference between private revelation and public revelation, just yes. so people are clear about that that distinguish. Uh, that distinguishment so that other people understand that, like, well, do I have to believe this now? Yes. No, they don't, they don't have to believe that. It's, right. it's an option to help them. Private revelation means that. But it, when it's approved by the local ordinary, right. it means this is something worthy of belief because sure. it may help you to believe the public re- revelation. And that's which, good. Which I find, find it does. Again, we can always rely on the church to, to help us in these ways, to guide us. Because, again, we know that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Yes, exactly. Church, so we can trust the judgment of the church when it comes to because And, again, the, the church isn't going to take this lightly. No, no. Right? It's, it's a large onus on the the persons uh, that decide this. And so I knew it was a big responsibility. I do. One of my kids, uh, I will see you were talking about people having um, maybe some other apparitions might have happened in the United States. One of them was apparently at my house because my child said that Mary had appeared to him, but I discovered it was because he didn't want to clean his room. And so he thought, well, if, if there was, this was an apparition site, you know, yeah, we couldn't yeah. touch it anymore. <laughs> But well, you got to give him a hand for cleverness. So it didn't, but it didn't take three experts to determine that yeah. that's not. Yeah, his dad and mom walked in there. Exactly. All yeah. right. So now you've 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 decreed, or you know, on on uh, with the authority of the church, this uh, this was this was an authentic apparition. Uh, and so what's what what happens next? So now you get this place. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place. There's a dairy farm on the left and a farm on the right. Um, it's a beautiful territory. We have acquired some land uh, adjacent to it, and that's going to help. But as you can, you know, just since 2010, we've gone from 10,000 pilgrims a year to 130,000 mm. just in a few years. So it's starting to be known and understood, and some people keep coming back annually. And I'm thrilled that the, the Knights of Malta and their organization is considering coming on a regular basis, and uh, they find it very helpful to them. I can tell you what a great gift it is, especially in the United States, especially for the order, because the annual pilgrimage to Lourdes is, is a beautiful experience, and, I, and I've done it several times, and it's a wonderful thing. But how are there, there are many... Uh, many of the Malads who, who can't travel in the airplane, who can't get in there and, and travel for eight or nine nights, it's too difficult to be in that situation. In fact, I've got a nephew who recently uh, paralyzed from the chest down. It's a very tragic situation. You know, he's a young man who wanted to come to Lourdes, and so we went through that process, and, and they said, unfortunately, you, you, you won't be able to sit up in the airplane, so you, you, you can't go. But, but to have a My. place like Our Lady of Good Health, Right. Yes, well, that would be wonderful for him to come. And we've just made it. It's uh, going on right now in the month of May. 
where we're redoing the crypt area so that it will be handicapped accessible. Mm. So that's a big change, and I think that will help the handicapped to get down to the crypt area where the apparition has uh, happened. And <clears throat> so I think it will be much much easier for them to come and go than it was before. I guess you have to look at this from the perspective of when you come to Lourdes and you see this place and what's built up around the grotto, oh right, mm-hmm. the domain, you want to make this accessible so that people can receive the graces, the healing that any I- pilgrimage would want to Absolutely, and I think we do have an obligation to spread the good news. Right. So we do need to use modern technologies and ways to get that good news out there, which we're we're improving steadily, slowly but steadily. Right. But also we need to do some planning. If if the numbers continue to increase, we're going to have to add to the the buildings the accessibility in other ways as well. Even for mass, the chapel holds about three hundred people. So that's good, but, you know, at times we might have much larger masses. For example, we have an outdoor mass on August 15th, and between two and 3,000 people come for that. Oh, beautiful. So that's beautiful. There's different ways to, to do that, but uh, we probably will in the next few years need to expand, and we're, we're working on those plans now considering... Uh, I'm, I'm saying to the Blessed Mother, look, this is your place. Right. You take help the lead. Us. You help Guide us. us. You yeah. let us know how big yeah. you want this or how small you want it. It's up to her. But you don't have you don't have plans <laughs> for the twenty thousand seat underground basilica yet. That uh, no, no, I, that's not in the <laughs> sketched out. No, that, not quite but, sketched out. But but if know. that's what's called for eventually, if the Holy Spirit says this is where we're going you with got this it. thing. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the Blessed Mother wants, we'll try to give for her. So just uh, as a parting note, just uh, you've been here to Lourdes, you experienced the Malads, but also just. The, the, the faithful coming to a place of pilgrimage, to come here to a spot where something very blessed and very special happened, and to realize that you have that in your backyard. Uh, help me uh, to invite people maybe to, to visit yes. here in Wisconsin. Thank you for this invitation, and I'd like to extend uh, to all of our listeners on whatever radio station that you're listening, I hope you would consider coming to, to Wisconsin and to uh, champion and to visit there. We we do have a, an oratory of St. Joseph as well that's at St. Norbert College. And then if people want to go to Lambeau Field, certainly they'd be welcome there to do that. There you go. That. Different kind of pilgrimage. There, Different kind of pilgrimage, yeah, yeah. So, but at any rate, uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful area to visit, especially in the spring and summertime. And even in the winter, it's different. It's cold, but it's uh, snow. But it's, it's a beautiful place. What's beautiful about, you know, Our Lady of Good Help is the simplicity of it. <clears throat> the humility and the simplicity speak volumes. And when you go down into the crypt, you feel that deep peace uh, of Mary. And even when you get into the property, and, you know, there have been answered prayers even as much as late as uh, December of last year. Beautiful prayers being answered, physical miracles, but they're also spiritual and emotional prayers answered beautiful. and healing happening too. That sounds wonderful. I hope people avail themselves of all the graces that, that God allows us, especially through the context of uh, this particular situation uh, in a pilgrimage to a beautiful spot like uh, Champion, Wisconsin. Yes. Wonderful. Bishop Ricken, thank you so much for visiting us in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. Fra Tom, we say goodbye yes. to Bishop Ricken. But, Fra uh, Tom, thank you, exactly. too. Exactly. So we're happy here. And, of course, awesome. we should leave in prayer. And uh, we're here in Lourdes, so let's uh, ask the Blessed Mother for her mm-hmm. assistance, as we always do. Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. 
For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Mm-hmm.